Oh boy. What an ending. Not the ending Chiefs fans wanted to see. Not the result we wanted to see. But it happened. And this also set a ratings record for Thursday Night Football. And of course, a ton of people got to see that epic ending. I don't know if Kansas City Chiefs fans would consider that epic. But it happened. And... uh, it was all over the Bleacher Reports, the SB Nations, the GIFs online. Uh, it was everywhere. It was everywhere. Farzine Vasugan here with you on the Chief Zone. Thank you for making me part of your day. Whether you're listening in the morning, afternoon, nighttime, I appreciate you guys taking the time to uh, download and listen to this episode of the Chief Zone. It's such a crazy game to recap. I, I, I don't even know where to begin. We'll get into the game in just a moment. So much to discuss. Uh, in this football game. So we'll do that uh, here uh, on the Chiefs Zone, recapping the Chiefs and Broncos game. Uh, really a crazy game from Thursday Night Football. Some good, some bad, uh, some so, some things that we just don't know about right now about this football team. I think going into this game, we felt pretty good about the Chiefs, but after this game, I think there's a big question mark uh, just on top of this football team. So many questions we have that we don't have the answers to. And a lot of blame going around. And and look, when when a sports team loses, there is no one person to blame. There are multiple people for the, for the blame, especially this Chiefs game. I there there's so much blame to go around. However, there is one person who deserves a lot of the blame, and we'll get to that in just a moment. Real quickly, just to set up for this week, we obviously have our Chiefs and Broncos recap right now. Later in the week, when we preview the Chiefs and Packers game, we'll also be joined by Bob Fesco from 610 Sports Radio in Kansas City. He will join us for a few minutes to talk about the 1-1 start to the season and then looking ahead with Kansas City's really a a, a, a tough first half of the season for the Chiefs. It's kind of looking ahead and can this Chiefs team c- continue to compete in the AFC West? The Chiefs have done that the past two years and really need to do it again. This is Andy Reid's third year. A lot of people in the national media have been saying this is the most talented football team Andy Reid has had in Kansas City. In two years, I think some of the talent has been questioned, even during the 9-0 and start. We can't hide from the fact that the Chiefs had a really easy schedule. Sure, it was still unpredictable. Nobody saw that coming. So it was impressive by all means. But still, the Chiefs didn't prove much at the end of the season when losing to all those playoff teams. Couldn't even beat a playoff team. And yes, they did beat Philadelphia in 2013, but that was when they were led by Mike Vick before the switch to Nick Foles. Uh, who helped them make that playoff push. So we'll talk to Bob Fesco uh, later in the week. He'll join us here on the Chiefs Zone, and then we'll preview the Packers and the Chiefs. Monday Night Football, two primetime games in a row. I I remember there was a point in time uh, before the 2010 season, so many Chiefs fans upset that uh, the uh, lack of attention this team was getting, or at least in terms of uh, getting games on on primetime, and uh, the Chiefs have a, f- a few of those this year. They, they have a uh, Thursday night. Well, they just had the Thursday night game. They have a Monday night game coming up on the road. They have a Thursday morning game uh, against the Lions in London. So uh, the national media uh, or the nation will have a chance to see that football game. And then 
possibly a Sunday night football game. We know those can change uh, throughout the year, but uh, I think the Chiefs and Chargers, they'll be able to keep that game later in the season. So a, a lot of primetime football for the Chiefs, and they've got two uh, coming up back-to-back. And uh, look, I understand uh, you were in front of the nation when that epic collapse happened, but you know what? Chiefs fans were complaining about it for a long time, and uh, ever since 2010, the Chiefs have been given a, a lot of primetime games. I don't know if there's a stat out there as for how many teams have been on how many primetime games each year, but uh, I, I'd say the Chiefs are one of the teams that uh, that are getting more prime. I'd say top 10 at least. It's got to be top 10. Uh, I, I know in 2013, I, I don't think they had a home primetime game, but they they're getting more games now than they did before the 2010 season, the late in the Herm Edwards era and during the Todd Haley uh, brief run uh, from 2009 uh, through 2011. All right, let's get into this. I know this is going to be hard to recap, but we've got to do it. Chiefs, uh, just a, a really bad loss, 31-24, tough ending. And I, I want to start with the turnovers in this football game because I mean, we just said it last week. Turnovers can decide a football game. There are those rare instances where you can lose the turnover battle badly and still come away with win. Those rarely happen, though. And it almost happened in this game. Uh, Kansas City had five giveaways, but when the Chiefs scored that game-winning touchdown run with Niall Davis with 2.15 to go in the fourth quarter, Kansas City had four giveaways. So the Chiefs were in a position to still win with four giveaways, which, again, is unheard of. We, we, we almost never see that in sports, especially football. But it didn't end up going that way. We, we didn't see that rare occasion in which the team that gave away the ball so many times ended up winning. And, and in fact, to be honest with you, I don't know which team is luckier, the Chiefs or the Broncos. I mean, the Chiefs almost had a lucky win because, let's face it, you turn the ball over four times and win? I mean, you're pretty lucky. The fact that Kansas City gave the ball five times and lost by seven, one possession, uh, if you told me the Chiefs gave away the, would, would give away the ball five times before Thursday night football started, I would have said Peyton Manning and the Broncos would have steamrolled this team. No way it would have been a one-possession game. I, I I would have not seen it coming. Which brings me to the Broncos. Like I said, I think both teams, you can make a case that both teams were lucky to even have a chance in this game. The fact that the Broncos won, you could also say the Broncos got lucky in this game because they got so many takeaways but still couldn't capitalize until late in the game. Uh, we saw this Chiefs defense really run things. Denver had only three points in the second half up until the last two minutes. Last two minutes of the game, that's when the Broncos started scoring seven points and did it twice within nine seconds rather than just a field goal. Uh, Denver was really limited in this football game, so for them to... To jump from 17 points to 31 in a span of 9 seconds, uh, that's the story of the game. Just the way it all happened. 
And with Kansas City's lack of ex- execution late in the game, Kansas City, here's the thing. I, I said this last week with the with the defense. I really love this defense from top to bottom. Everywhere, uh, defensive line, linebackers, secondary, there's talent everywhere on this defense. This Chiefs defense did a lot. They did a lot in this football game. Kept the Chiefs in the game for so many three and outs. Got to Peyton Manning quite a lot. Looking at the sack total, three sacks all together in this football game. Two from Justin Houston, one from DeVito, and so many quarterback pressures on Peyton Manning in this game. And for the offense to not capitalize, which again, this was the story for 2014. There was a huge imbalance with this Chiefs team. The defense did everything it could have done every single game. Just just look at last year. Worst loss was the Tennessee. 16 points. Two possessions. Chiefs were never blown out in a game last year. But the offense never returned the favor to the defense. And we saw it in this football game. That's why the Chiefs lost. Because the offense never thanked the defense for its efforts. You cannot go in there. Force all these three and outs. Force all these punts. Britton Colquitt punted seven times in this game and not come away with points. If I'm a Kansas City Chiefs fan, which if you're listening, odds are you are a Chiefs fan, you have to ask yourself, what does the offense need to do to capitalize? I mean, what much more does the defense need to do? I I guess they have to score pick up a fumble or, or get an interception and score every single time because the offense isn't doing too much of that. All these forced punts, three and outs, Arrowhead getting into it, getting into Peyton Manning's head. You couldn't ask much more. Like I said, only other thing left to ask for is for the defense to strip the ball every single time and go score, which we all know that can't realistically happen. It just doesn't, especially against a first ballot Hall of Fame quarterback in Peyton Manning. It won't happen against him every single time. You go in there and you you think to yourself, this offense needs to really pick it up. And look, if we want to talk about professionals getting paid, Alex Smith making $11.9 million, gave him a four-year extension worth $68 million, signed through 20, the 2018 season. Look, I like Alex Smith. I, I, he's not your Tom Brady or Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck, Aaron Rodgers. He's, he's not one of those guys. But he gets a job done at the end of the day, or a majority of the time. He limits his giveaways, which, by the way, this was a completely different Alex Smith than what we're used to seeing. He really does a good job of leading an offense. I mean, he's he's been tabbed as a game manager for a reason, and... For him to do the complete opposite in this game makes you wonder, what what does he need to do? I mean, what's the issue with Alex Smith in this Chiefs offense? And the play calling, especially in the red zone, what was that? I mean, I get it. You have Jeremy Macklin 
Five years, $55 million, but that doesn't mean you, you get all cute with these plays here. Yes, he can run. I'm not opposed to trick play. I, I love seeing trick plays, especially if they work. Now, here's the other thing, and this kind of relates to what happened with the Giants on Sunday Night Football last week in Week 1. If Eli Manning finds a guy wide open and connects on a touchdown pass, no one's criticizing Tom Coughlin for that horrible call. If the Chiefs somehow come came away with a touchdown on that trick play, which, by the way, didn't trick the Broncos, Andy Reid is a genius. Everyone's praising Andy Reid. Look, Alex Smith deserves a lot of criticism for this football game, but I'm throwing a flag on Andy Reid. I don't know what kind of execution, at least from a coaching standpoint, that was. If that was Todd Haley, Romeo Cornell, or Herm Edwards, the, the the three most recent head coaches for the Chiefs, if those three were calling the plays that game, everyone's calling for their head. Everyone wants them fired. Andy Reid, I, I've seen some fire Andy Reid tweets, but not as many as there would have been if it was one of the three head coaches I just named. Because it is Andy Reid. And let's not forget, this. out of all active coaches in the NFL, Andy Reid has the fourth most wins. So let's not get too carried away here. Andy Reid doesn't deserve to be fired, but he really deserves to have his play-calling duties stripped. This was an issue last year where he was too negligent, apparently, and... Uh, Admitted multiple times that he just didn't do a good job with the play calls. It's still an issue. I think Andy Reid has to allow Doug Peterson, the offensive coordinator, to take those play calling duties. Let him focus more being a head coach rather than being the play caller. Because And look, we've seen it many times in sports. It just doesn't work. Todd Haley tried to be the offensive coordinator, the quarterback's coach, and the head coach. It didn't work. We saw Charlie Weiss at the University of Kansas try to be the head coach and the offensive coordinator. It didn't work. Now, I know a lot of things at the University of Kansas doesn't work during football season, but you can't a head coach can't carry multiple multiple duties like that. I can see offensive coordinators also being the quarterback's coach or the or the defensive coordinator also being a positions coach. But you just can't be the head coach and handle a coordinator position or a uh or a position coach. You can't handle multiple duty. We also saw Romeo Cornell t- try to do that and it was awful. And my my solution now look, this is why I'm hosting a podcast and not coaching in the NFL. But if I could offer a solution, let Doug Peterson call the plays. Because I think it's going to take away a lot of weight from Andy Reid's shoulders. And it lets the coaching staff do more things. And look, I don't know exactly where the Chiefs are. Obviously, he's part of the staff. And I'm referring to Brad Childress, the spread game coordinator special projects guy but look this guy I mean he was at one point a head coach in the NFL for the Minnesota Vikings why not let him contribute a little bit to the offense let him maybe have some of the some of the responsibilities and I think again that that's what hurt Kansas City in this football game uh, the, the the play calling number one 
And a close number two, the turnovers. Alex Smith, again, totally different Alex Smith than what we're used to seeing. Jamal Charles, uh, sure, you can read the stat line of 125 yards and a touchdown. A really nice touchdown run, by the way. I, I wanted to spend a lot of time on that play because, first of all, that's what got the Chiefs going. And the the, the way that play unfolded was great, but that's not the storyline of this game. I will say, for those of you who are really into the X's and O's like I am, watch that play one more time. Just a great job by DeAnthony Thomas and Jeremy Macklin coming away with those blocks downfield, and then Jamal Charles making that cut, seeing those downfield blocks coming. But I can't get too much into it because that's not the story of this football game. The story is we saw a completely different Jamal Charles who gave away the football in the end. Which, by the way, that brings me to my other point of play calls. If you want to take a knee, take a knee. I I hate taking a knee. I loathe it. Yeah, I, I, what's the point of taking a knee if the game is tied? Let's do something. And there was, I, I, I think, 30-some-odd seconds left on the clock right after Denver tied it. Do something. You have a timeout. Let's use it. If you're going to just run with Jamal Charles, which, first of all, I don't know. Andy Reid said something in his post-game press conference to where he just wanted to give Jamal a chance to run it late in the game when he has the best running back in the NFL. But when you're in the red zone, you don't give it to your best running back, which doesn't add up. It just doesn't add up. And then, late in the game, Jamal Charles gets the ball, fumbles. If you if you want to run a play, run a passing play because you're not going to accomplish anything by running a play so far away. And I'm trying to pull it up right here exactly where the Chiefs were before that fumble happened. At your own 20. That was a touchback. So you're at your own 20. Jamal Charles isn't going to run 80 yards. Denver knows to get into the prevent formation for the defense. Let's not think that for one second Jamal was going to go out there and run 80 yards for a touchdown when Denver pretty much had its prevent defense. And and look, if you follow the game closely like I do, Alex Smith was the last player to come out of the huddle, or to enter the huddle, I'm sorry. He was still on the sidelines right after that touchdown play, and I'm thinking, they're going to run a play here. They're going to go for it. If Alex Smith and the entire offense entered the field at the same time after the touchback, I knew it was going to be a knee. But instead, Alex Smith took a few seconds. Everyone was already in the huddle waiting for Smith. And I thought, all right, we're going to do something here. The Chiefs are going to air it out. And look, I know Alex Smith is not the most reliable guy to have throw a football late in the game, but I thought we were in for a treat. But instead, quarterback run and a fumble. Bradley Roby runs it back, and uh, that, that basically does it. Denver wins the game uh, right there. Kansas City can't do anything after that uh, on the two plays. Uh, it's embarrassing. Uh, I, I, I don't know how you recover from this. Five turnovers and really atrocious play calling. This has to change. Because... You're going to face the Packers. And look, when I when this game got tied up the first time in the second quarter, I said to myself, first of all, the Chiefs just blew a 14-0 lead. Second of all, now that the game is tied, 
the Chiefs have to find a way to win. Every game is a must-win, but this was a must-must-win game. Because you've got Green Bay on the road, Monday Night Football. I know Green Bay's defense isn't good, but Aaron Rodgers, I, he can pick apart even some of the, the best defenses. So Kansas City, it, the defense is probably going to have some, some rough spots in this game. Which, by the way, for the first time in 20 games, the Chiefs allowed 30 points or more in a football game. And it wasn't really the defense that allowed all 31 of those points, too. But, look, no one's going to sit here and remember that it was the offense that allowed six points uh, rather than the defense. So, uh, look, it is what it is. The defense, again, the Chiefs haven't been blown out in in a game in more than a year. This defense will come away. I don't think they're going to get blown out next week, but it's going to feel like a blowout if Aaron Rodgers is controlling this game, still getting 21 points, and Kansas City only has 3 or or 7 or 10 points. It's it's still going to feel like a blowout because Kansas City's offense could be limited. I don't know. We'll we'll look forward to that match later in the week and uh, and preview it. I haven't had a a chance to look at it. I'm actually recording this before Sunday Night Football, so uh, we'll have a better idea when we see Green Bay through two games uh, going into Week 3. In terms of the positives, I mentioned Jamal Charles. He did get going in this football game. And here's another thing to consider. Kansas City, as I mentioned, red zone turnovers, just brutal. But this is a Chiefs team that really moved the football in this game. Looking at the first drive of the game, Kansas City never faced a third down until... That fumble recovery to conclude the drive at the five-yard line, at Denver's five-yard line, which, by the way, at one point it was the two-yard line, and the Chiefs, for some reason, uh, passing the football. And that resulted in a minus three-yard play. But that first drive right there for the Chiefs, the amount of plays they ran, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten play drive right there. That's a pretty good drive. I mean, that means you're moving the football. You're picking up first downs. And by the way, speaking of third down in this game, Kansas City did not show up 0 for 7 on third downs. I think that's another big stat. You had the bad play calls. You had the five turnovers. And then you were 0 for 7 on third down. And still, you had the lead at at some point in the game under two minutes to go. What does that tell you? I mean, sure, the five turnovers, that sounds like something the worst team in the league would do. But the Chiefs are far from that. What this tells you is the Chiefs are capable of competing with the rest of the league, possibly even being a championship contending team. All they have to do is erase, uh, look, these turnovers, they... Even Tom Brady and Peyton Manning have the worst football games. They go up and chalk up three, maybe four interceptions. Even the best offenses have this from time to time. However, for the Chiefs, they just have these small adjustments that they've got to make. And they're going to start winning a lot of football games. They're gonna, they, they win Thursday night if they don't turn the ball over five times. 
I did mention the good in this football game. I mentioned Jamal Charles getting going in this game a little bit. Uh, hey, what about Kansas City's first-round pick, Marcus Peters? Let's give him a lot of love right now. The first defensive play of his career, he got an interception against the Texans, and a lot of people said, ah, that's Brian Hoyer, who, by the way, was replaced by Ryan Mallett in Week 2. But guess what? He comes away with an interception, runs it all the way back for a touchdown in his second career game. So in his first two games as an NFL player, two interceptions. Two interceptions in as many games he's played in his young career. Now look, that doesn't mean he's going to get 16 interceptions in 16 games. He'll have more throughout the season. It'd be a shock if he didn't have any more, but right now... Marcus Peters is the early candidate to win the Defensive Rookie of the Year award. This guy has been lights out. Now, yes, he did get torched a, a couple times, uh, especially in the first game for, the, for that touchdown that Houston had after the 14-0 start for the Chiefs. And also in this game, they picked on, on him a bit. But, hey, uh, the rookie is still doing something to win you football games. Now, Jamal Fleming uh, definitely got picked on a lot, especially on that final drive. And and at this point, you're really hoping Sean Smith comes back strong after that Packers game because this team really needs Sean Smith, who was rated the fifth-best cornerback on uh, Pro Football Focus's list. And if you have that same Sean Smith in uh, 2015, having him play beside and opposite of, depending how they line up, of Marcus Peters, this is a pretty damn good defense and a really good secondary. And and Eric Berry, by the way, he, he doesn't have an interception yet, but the way he's played out there as a cover guy, really looking good. Pro Football Focus has him rated as, a, as the second best safety so far this season. So Eric Berry is looking a lot better, and a lot of people were concerned how he'd bounce back after playing only six games last year due to injuries and with the uh, cancer diagnosed. And right now, he, he looks like the same Eric Berry that we all know and love. So there, there's a lot of positives to take away from this game as well. If you can just nullify some of those mistakes in this football game, this is a Chiefs team that's going to dominate this season. It's got to require better play calling, whether it's just Andy Reid making the better calls or letting Doug Peterson handle it. Plus, you've got to stop giving away the ball so many times. That will hurt a team. Nobody's winning a championship by committing that many turnovers. And by the way, over 7 on third down, I should remind you, I know I don't want to remind you, but I should. You you, you fix that, you're going to win more football games. Kansas City, by the way, there's got to be more consistency. And if the Chiefs can do those three things, they will be more consistent And I bring up the consistency factor because the Chiefs are averaging five points per per game in the second half. Now, I know it's a very small sample size because we've only seen two football games, but the Chiefs scored 10 points in the second half of this game, scored zero points in the second half against the Texans. A football team's got to play consistently well first quarter, second quarter, third quarter, and fourth quarter. The entire 60 minutes. You've got to go out there and play. The Chiefs do that, they're winning more football games. 
Give props to the Broncos in this football game. Peyton Manning, again, didn't have his greatest game. Got roughed up quite a bit by the Chiefs. Ever since he's gotten to Kansas City, or, or uh, I should say ever since Andy Reid got to Kansas City, because in 2012, the Chiefs did get to him quite a bit, uh, getting some sacks there. But uh, ever since Tom Bahali and Justin Houston have been highlighted by the national media, Peyton Manning has found a way to escape this pass rush. Uh, a couple times last year, Tom Holly and Justin Houston did get to Manning. Not as much, though. But in this game, and maybe it's Peyton Manning getting older, I don't know exactly what. Uh, Denver's offensive line has also changed as well. That's another thing to consider. They've lost three offensive linemen from last year. But the Chiefs got to Manning in this football game, which was my biggest key for this game. The crowd's going to get into it. We know they're always going to get into it. And the defense has to feed off that and get to Manning, which happened, by the way. Which did happen. But for the Chiefs defense, they've got to continue to do that. Now, it's not going to be easy in road territories. But this defense has still gotten a job done on the road at Arrowhead Stadium. Wherever they're playing, this defense still gets it done. It's got to be the offense that comes away with some points. Now, before I sign off here on the Chiefs zone, I, I, I've got to get something off my chest. And this is this is not something I normally discuss here on this podcast or anytime I'm out there blogging but Arrowhead Stadium I love going to games you love going to games I don't know anybody who says they hate going to games at Arrowhead Stadium but I do know people who hate driving to Arrowhead Stadium any of you guys who went to Arrowhead this week you guys know what I'm talking about this has been an issue uh, quite a bit recently and I get it Andy Reid comes to Kansas City, the expectations go up. And that first Chiefs game with Andy Reid against the Dallas Cowboys at home in 2013, that's when the mess started with the traffic and the parking at Arrowhead. First of all, let me just let me just say, you know, I I, I pulled up Google Maps because and I had to compare Arrowhead Stadium and the Truman Sports Complex because they they do share that parking lot with the Kansas City Royals. But I did compare it to a couple of the other stadiums in the National Football League. Uh, Lucas Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis. Uh, the Cowboy Stadium in Arlington, Texas. I mean, those two are fairly new stadiums. Both have a giant, gigantic parking lot. But there is no parking lot that is as big as... As a Truman Sports Complex. I mean, you can, if you're, if you have the uh, map, the map app on your phone or your iPad, and if you just look at Kansas City from a distance in which, where you can see the entire 435 highway loop, you can still, you can see a lot of space. You can see the parking space from a, a distance on Google Maps or Google Earth, whichever you prefer to use. Now, looking at the the map of the Truman Sports Complex, I don't know if you can ask for a better parking lot because the Chiefs and the Royals do have a lot of space there. I, I think I read on the Chiefs' website at one point, 22,000 spots. Now, the, the Chiefs' website doesn't have that list, or at least I couldn't find it. I did a Google search, and I found out 
one website says 19,000 spots. So 19,000, 22,000, you've got a ton of spots there. There are a lot of stadiums, the surrounding areas don't even have remotely even half of that. Some NFL stadiums don't even have that much. I know Oakland's got a, a, a pretty big spot. I mean, a lot of places for fans to park. Uh, I don't know a lot of NFL stadiums off top the top of my head, but I, I, I just looked at the map of some of these stadiums, and look, Kansas City really does have the biggest space. And for the Chiefs to just screw this up, a professional football team, NFL team, to just... Really, it's horrible. I don't know how else to put it. I asked you guys on my Facebook page, which you guys can give it a like, uh, Farzine Vesugian. You guys can also follow me on Twitter at Farzine21. Uh, I asked you guys because I, I was really curious. Uh, I had my strange experience. I've had I, I've had a bad experience before, uh, which I did share on the show before. I'll, I'll share it again in a moment. Uh, but I asked you guys on my Facebook page, if you guys had any issues, I asked you guys to share them uh, in the comment section below because I have my story, which I'll get to in just a second. But from the beginning, when you enter uh, the stadium grounds, when you, and I entered from 435, my family and I, we, we came from 435, and when you enter the stadium, there's a, or pardon me, not the stadium, but the, but the just a campus of, of it, we're, we're basically right where you pass the practice facility. There's a sign that tells fans which way to line up if you're gonna give a parking pass receipt or if you need to pay and provide cash. Which, by the way, there was only one line for cash pay. So if you're on the left left hand side and you want to get all the way to the right hand side, which is where the cash line was, it's impossible because. The cars are all bumper to bumper, and it's impossible to, to get all the way through there. And, and, you know, it's pretty tough in that situation because it's rare that cars let you pass, especially in those close situations. Everyone's trying to hurry up and get to the stadium. No one wants anyone else to be cutting them in line. But we we got to the booth. We got our gold pass, which I think was for gate three, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so we came from there, and the cone, the cones they had set up, I didn't even understand. I had never seen that before. And I've been to games quite a bit before in the past. And I didn't even understand what the point was. Because eventually, they ran out of cones. So, everyone that was in traffic, whether you had a gold pass or just a regular parking pass, you eventually met in the same line while trying to drive to your spot. Uh, But basically, where we were set to park, and I don't want to make a big story out of of where, but it was... uh, Basically behind the end zone, close to the side where uh, where the players park. So I, I think where the players park in that area and some fans is lot E. So if you go to the right of that, you're on the basically where the tunnel is. So we had a parking spot in that area. We got there, and because we had the, uh, the designated parking pass, the parking lot attendant let us in, but he told us, there are no parking spots, which we thought was surreal because there were still more than, I think there was at least 90 minutes until kickoff. So, and we weren't there to tailgate because, you know, it was during the day. So we were all at work, but we said, look, whatever, we'll go in there. We saw a ton of open parking spots. 
So for, for a parking lot attendant to tell us there is no open space, and then we find, we found at least, we got to our spot, and we found at least nine others around us. No one was tailgating in those spots. Nobody had a chair or anything. Uh, I mean, it was it was free. It was open. I, I, I once attended a, a, a playoff game in 2004. I know the Chiefs haven't had a lot of playoff games at Arrowhead, but the second most recent one at Arrowhead, I, I, that was a crazy time because the Chiefs did go 9-0, finished 13-3, and had that playoff game after a bye week against the Colts, uh, which coincidentally Peyton Manning was there. I, so the, the parking was fine. It was organized. And look, I don't think there's a big difference in fan interest from the 2003 season all the way to 2015. The interest has been there. People have been attending games for years. I know for quite a few years from, gosh, I want to say 07 all the way through 2012. I know uh, there were no parking issues because not many people were going to the games. Uh, But... But we've had this before where there were sellouts and this was not an issue. And I don't know, maybe social media was not around at the time, but I do remember still attending games at the time and there, there, there wasn't a problem. Everything was going smoothly there. I, I, I mentioned earlier, I asked you guys for your issues and I'll read a couple of them because I, I was blown away at, at some of the issues that people have. I mentioned a couple years ago. I, I had one issue in, in 2013. That Cowboys game. Andy Reid's first game as a Chiefs coach at home. Uh, I remember the, the way they were trying to direct traffic. And the, the way they were telling people to go. Eventually it got to the point. Where cars were going head to head. Could have collided with each other. In, in, in a parking lot. And that forced a ton of drivers. To have to go in reverse and back away. And I saw another parking lot attendant join a tailgate all of a sudden to start drinking beer. So I don't even know what's going on with the parking lot, the attendants drinking, not doing their jobs basically. Uh, so I don't know what's going on. The way it's been two years now and it's still unorganized. I asked on Facebook. Stacy said there were a lot of parking shots in. Uh, I think she meant parking lots in G that were quote unquote saved. We watched a parking attendant take money from a person to save three parking spots in the back row as we were walking into the stadium. There were many spots down closer that were blocked and not being used. Uh, I mean, yeah, I laugh, but it's really not funny because people did pay, do pay a lot of money to park, to get a ticket, to go inside, drink beer, and have some fun. They want to see the game. So for an NFL team to have this happen, it's it's wrong. William said, we entered the east side and they routed us all the way around the west side of Kauffman Stadium. It was the most unorganized thing I've, I've seen uh, in the six years uh, as a fan. Jared wrote, I don't know how to get in to lot A. It says to go through gate two, which I did, and they sent me to J. Parking sucks so bad there. I don't know what the solution is to this. I'm not. I've never been a parking lot director or anything. I I don't know exactly what the title is for whoever holds that at Arrowhead Stadium, but I I think we could legitimately sit here and question and compare Andy Reid's play calling to the person who is the director of parking and traffic at Arrowhead Stadium because it is awful. There's got to be a better way to to organize this. I was listening to Six Ten Sports Radio the day after the game, the morning after, and someone had texted in and they read it on the air that somebody had complained 
uh, they missed the entire first quarter because they were trying to get in, and it was a mess just the way the traffic was handled. Look, my, my experience was just crazy. They told us there are no parking spots, and there were dozens. I, I, I saw at least dozens as I was walking my way. And these are spots very close to the stadium. Tons of spots open. I know there are some tailgaters who picked up. By the way, I, I think as tailgaters, we're at fault too because I see a lot of people put their barbecue or put a seat on right on the on the stripe of a parking spot, and you're basically taking up another space there. So us fans, we do deserve some of the blame as well, but for the most part, Arrowhead has an absolutely unorganized system there, and it's got to be fixed. It's got to be. So many things got to get fixed. The play calling, the turnovers, third down conversions, the parking. And look, I think this team's going to be really good. And if this Chiefs team, especially under Andy Reid, if they host a playoff game, I I, I don't know what to think. It's going to be brutal. The, the Chiefs want to host the Super Bowl. And it's possible because, guess what? New York almost had a snowy Super Bowl. So cold weather cities, guess what? You're in the running for a Super Bowl. And I know some cold weather cities are covered, but either way, an Arrowhead Stadium has close to 80,000 seats. And when you consider all the all the suites and, and uh, special press, press box rooms, there's at least more than 80,000 people all together at the stadium. So if Arrowhead ever wants to host a Super Bowl, it's got to fix a ton of things. Because if this continues, the NFL is never going back to Kansas City for a Super Bowl, if it ever decides to go to Kansas City one day. That'll do it for this edition of the Chiefs Zone. Chiefs and Broncos recap. Tough one. Ouch. A lot to work on. We'll talk to Bob Fesco later in the week. He will talk about the one-on-one start and then looking ahead for the Chiefs. Soonest game coming up, the Green Bay Packers. That game coming up the soonest. We'll preview that game in our next episode of the Chiefs. Zone. I'm Farzine Vesugian. Interact with me on Facebook and Twitter. Look for my Facebook page. Give it a like, Farzine Vesugian. And also follow me on Twitter and interact with me on there at Farzine21. Thanks again for listening to this edition of the Chiefs. Zone. I will talk to you guys later in the week. Chopping.